Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back out the smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! It's Williams. Mobs it up for Robert Williams. Should he know Taylor Brown. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. A better week just passed for the Celtics going 2-1, including, let's say, three halves of solid defensive performances across those three games. Joining us to talk all about it, Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how you doing, sir? Good, good, man. It's been an all right week, hasn't it? Feeling a little bit more optimistic and less suicidal, for lack of a better term. <laughs> we've seen some <laughs> That's signs. A solid of li- term. Yeah, we've seen some signs of life. So um, no, there's reasons to be optimistic, even if yesterday was a was a real bastard of a of, of a uh, of a result. But I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that properly. <laughs> I'm sure you're referring to the bastardly Luka Doncic triple team game mm-hmm. winner that we all had to witness. And yeah, yeah that one. Uh, that. W- that was difficult to comprehend, like literally one of those, I don't know about you, but, um, and not to get too off track here, but like I watched it happen with my eyes and like didn't like have a reaction to it or like actually took my brain time to process before I realized like how bad that was for yeah. us Celtics fans. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced deja vu before. Like a lot of people say, oh, deja vu. I'm like, I'd like <laughs> to know what that feels like because it sounds really weird, but that's the closest I've came, I, I've, I've come to it because they showed the replay of the game winner that he hit last year. And even the scores were eerily similar. I think it was only three points either way uh, difference. And then yeah. it just goes in and you just, yeah, you're right. It's just, it takes a good five seconds to mentally compute it and about 24 hours or so to, 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 to not stop being mad at the world. So, yeah, but I mean, God, I mean, what can you do about like just, just the shot itself? I'm sure like the, the whole Marcus Smart stuff we're going to get to, but I mean, just the shot itself, you have to, once you do cool off a little bit, you just have to admire it. It's like, it's just totally. incredible. It's incredible. But Nothing else you can do. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> So pretty rough, but there is some silver linings, I suppose, which we will get to. And look, we've got, uh, we're going with the classic format here tonight. We've got a number of posts from Celtics Reddit that kind of capture, I guess, where the fan base is at currently. Let's start with this one by user Friends with the Benedicts. Uh, They go on to write, regardless of what happened, one thing is very clear, especially tonight after the Mavs game, we need shooters in a bad way. They go on to say, Tatum was very efficient, 6 for 8 from 3 tonight against the Mavs. The rest of the team, you ask, an atrocious 2 for 23. Mm. As a whole, we have made progress every game, and it seems we are slowly correcting the mistakes we've been making. Tatum is making great passes out of double teams. Our ball movement and variety of shots have been terrific. However, all that ball movement may have been leading to excellent wide-open shots, but we, quote, can't fucking make them Mm. if this offense is going to work and we are going to continue to focus on moving the ball around we simply need some shooters out of our entire team we only have three players that have a career three point percentage above last year's average of 36 percent they are jason tatum jalen brown and peyton pritchard 14 players with below 36 percent but their career is not going to cut it not sure who we can get or how but I hope we can figure it out because uh, if not, I predict many more nights like these. Uh, Jackson, what do you think? Is adding a shooter or two the answer? And if so, how is that happening? 
Well, um, yeah, I would love some competent three-point shooters for sure. I think every <laughs> team would would enjoy that. Um, how we go about, you know, obtaining them would be something else entirely. It's curious that, like, out of the three players that you mentioned, you know, Brown and Tatum, sort of, you you, you would understand. Um, you would you would imagine they would be in that category. And then Peyton Pritchard shows up. You think, oh, sweet, you know, like maybe you know, well, where was he <laughs> last night? And I think he would have played like five seconds and took one shot and missed it. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, coming off, I mean, we watched summer league, right? You don't want to read too much into summer league, but you saw Pritchard, you saw Romeo, you saw Neesmith, and you think to yourself, sweet, there's there's the shooting sorted because these guys are just absolute snipers but it hasn't translated into the regular season um so far so part of me would like to think that we're going to discover that particularly through those guys um but you know going off the evidence that we've seen so far and if you cast your mind back to that wizards game where we were like historically off the mark with threes um (laughs) yeah yeah i start to think maybe this guy's got a bit of a point um in preparation for this i was actually looking at the 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 leading three point percentage the players with uh, the highest three point percentage uh, so far this season um, one Celtic appears on that list in the top fifty uh, do you want to have a guess who that was or that is rather I mean off the top of my head I'd have to say Jalen Brown um, I'm not sure unless there's like a minimum shots shot uh, I'm, I'm I'm overthinking I'm going to say yeah. Jalen Brown. Friend of the podcast, Grant Williams, <laughs> oh, okay. with 42.3%. Um, yeah. And of course, he made all of those in game one and none since, but it's yeah, still, yeah. still working in his favor. <laughs> you got a lot of percentages how they skew sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if we're going to like start talking about potential players that we can go out and get, like, you know, you have your pipe dreams and then you have the ones that just, you know, sign contracts like Patty Mills, who I would have, you know, given, you know, a limb for, um, but that's not going to happen. Curiously enough, the top two, and I mean, the first one, the number two is DJ Augustin, who's only made on two attempts per game. But Eric Gordon, 52.9%. And curiously enough, Eric Gordon makes this year 18 million, 19.5 million next year. And then he's not guaranteed for his, his contract, for his salary the year after, which is just under 21 million. Very hmm. similar wage neighborhood to a, to a Marcus S. Or an M smart, funnily enough. So an, um, yeah. an we, M smart and maybe a J Hernan Gomez yeah. combined. <laughs> could, could even do that as well, too. But no, I think like obviously I I think we, we can't get anyone at the moment, right? Or can we? Is that we could literally go out and get someone tomorrow if we really felt like it and we put a trade package together? I don't I mean, Marcus Smart can't be traded until the 20th of January. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Schroeder can't be traded until the 14th of December. Um, and we, we are going to get into, don't worry, listen up, we are going to get into like the full-on trade proposals a little bit later. Um, but I mean, I, I think I, I agree with where you're going, Jackson, is that like, yeah, probably a trade is needed, right? To acquire some shooting acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrence Ross, uh, is that his name? Um, From the Magic. Uh, yeah, is yeah. a name that has has come up a lot recently, but just a reliable kickout guy who can play a lick of defense um, because the spacing is borderline horrific with our starting lineup and like their their overall plus minus has been kind of solid. But I mean, you saw it in the the opening of this game. I say the opening, I say the opening half of this game where we ended up down seventeen, where like we were generating good shots, but mm. they were in the hands of Marcus Smart. And Dennis Schroeder and and sometimes Josh Richardson and guys who, you know, are open for a reason. So then you get to thinking like, well, is that, you know, a, a product of our offense or are they open for a reason because they can't shoot? Um, and you take Jalen Brown out of this game and th- just the total absence of spacing. Um, however, this amazing defense that has turned things around a bit, I think you need to be careful with personnel changes here because a huge part of that defense is all the guys that I just mentioned. Like, Schroeder gets overpowered in the paint a lot by, you know, especially we saw it with Spencer Dinwiddie, but, you know, he he's a, a hounding guard who is uh, a pretty good on-ball defender. Mm. Um, obviously, Marcus Smart is a, is a net positive defender, and, and similarly with Josh Richardson, trading those guys away, I don't know, do we... Jackson, is there a risk of, like, getting away from this identity that we, we do seem to have stumbled upon in the last few games? 
Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, it's it's still way too early. Like we haven't really seen what this team is about. I've I've I refuse to drink the the everybody panic Kool Aid even despite the poor start. Kind of changed my tune a little bit after the Chicago game, which was just a week ago. I was like, okay, maybe we do actually suck because that was yeah. horrific. But then lo and behold, you have two, you know, just incredible, you know, defensive um, showings, even if the three-point shooting wasn't, you know, incredible across the board. But I think it's just pulling the pin and, and getting new personnel in now purely for just the sake of three-point shooting is going to be a little bit premature. Like Al Horford went 0 for 4. He's been pretty reliable from three, you know, so far this season. Uh, Romeo Langford, an, an underrated probably absence. Like his shots look fantastic this year. So yeah. I think, you know, you, you throw either one of those guys in and Jalen Brown, as you mentioned, and then we're just one three point shot away from overtime. But, you know, and a butterfly effect probably means we win the game or it's a completely different game. So yeah, um, shooting would be nice. Obtaining it at this stage, I don't think is 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 possible or necessary. Talk to me again in January um, when you know, we have a better idea of who this team is and, and what their shooting capabilities, you know, are really translating to. Yeah, and eligibility to trade, you know, some of our more tradable contracts. Exactly. Look, cough, cough, Marcus Smart, which we'll get to in a second. Um, on the Romeo Langford thing, like, um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, Celtics Reddit Podcast, we just put out a, a pretty extensive Romeo Langford breakout in, in terms of... Um, you know, who we think it could be and parts of his game that he could work on and, and parts of his game that have really evolved over the last year or so. So check us out on YouTube. Um, check out that video um, from the, the great mind of, of Wayne Spoonie there. Um, shout out Wayne Spoonie. Definitely recommend checking that out. Um, back on the the acquiring of shooters side of things, there's a comment here from Baywill19 on, on this post. They go on to say, there's not enough shooting between Smart, Schroeder and Richardson and these guys play the longest minutes in the rotation. Um, Jackson, we talked about Romeo Langford a second ago. Pritchard and Neesmith, and I guess Neesmith is is kind of what I want to emphasize here. Mm. He was great against the Heat, like kind of integral, right? Like in terms of the success in that game. Pretty terrible against the Mavs. He had that one play that got waved off where he like sort of finished the layup on the Tatum transition pass there. But ultimately, it was terrible. Um do you see him being included in, in some of these hypothetical trades that we're inferring here? Or do you, do, do you see more of a long-term spot on the team here for, for Aaron Neesmith? Yeah. Do you believe I, in him, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I definitely believe in him. Whether Aduka believes in him, I think is a different story. You know, he has not been keen to play him so far. Um, whether that's due to defense, whether that's due to his attitude, whether he just, you know, wants to, you know, you know, jack up the, the trade value of Josh Richardson and whatnot to get him out of here to get somebody else in and then consider playing him. I'm not too sure. Um, I totally believe in him. Um, you know, again, you mentioned Wayne Spurney, big write up on why he should be starting. Obviously, Adoka hasn't read that or he did. He just he disagreed with it. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we sorely miss some reliable shooting in the backcourt. I know Pritchard was in, you know, that 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 bracket of like above average um, three-point shooting uh, percentage for their careers. But like even, you know, Pritchard's not playing a lot of minutes either. So when you are relying on your backcourt of Schroeder, Richardson and Marcus Smart to get you, you know, shots off or get you reliable shooting, it's probably not going to work out <laughs> really well. There'll be the odd game here and there, but I don't think, you know, there's, there's enough there to, to, to really you know, juice those numbers up for lack of a better term. So as far as like getting rid of one of those guys is concerned and like allowing some more time for an Smith or a Pritchard or a Langford, you know, I'd probably, I would definitely entertain that idea as far as like shipping off those young guys are concerned though. No, I think that's, that would be, that would probably start to turn me against a Doker a little bit unless the return was gangbusters. And I just don't think there's, there's anyone out there that we, that we can really get that would, make that seem favorable, at least at this stage, at least at this stage. Yeah, the biggest fear is shipping off Aaron Neesmith and, and then he becomes Tyler Hero, or, or like what Tyler Hero was in, in the bubble there. And we yeah. somehow have to like doubly have that negative experience. I feel like that's that's in our future potentially somewhere. But, uh, you know, I am a, um, a Celtics nihilist. Uh, um, I think that we're at least in a position with, with Neesmith where it's okay for us to ask the questions every podcast or after every game or whatever because it, it's such a shifting tide with every performance here where it's like, oh, it's great. It's, it's, give him minutes. Give him minutes and he'll perform. He'll contribute. He'll get you over the line. And then we see the inverse of that in the Mavs game. And like we've had this experience time and time again. Um, 
I mean, minutes do seem to equate to confidence, and confidence does seem to equate to made buckets. Um, so I'd like to see him continuing to get minutes, despite the very recent poor performance. You know, the Heat game was was fantastic, and Josh Richardson was out in that game. And I don't think it's a total coincidence that Romeo and Neesmith performed really well as a result. Josh Richardson's back. Can we blame him for the missed Neesmith shots? Like, obviously not, but I don't know. He was there, man. Like, and he missed all those shots. So this is something to it. So I, I would like to see uh, more favorable minute allocation to uh, to Neesmith and Romeo, despite the presence of uh, of Josh Richardson in the future. Um, but there's an element of maybe needing to maintain some trade value for all of them as well, you know, getting mm-hmm. back to these potential trades that we're, we're tossing up here. Um, so I guess in conclusion, I'm glad I'm not the coach or the manager of the Celtics because there's a lot <laughs> going on here. There's a lot to, to, to maintain. So uh, it's interesting. It's early. 10 games isn't quite where we like to draw our what the season is going to look like conclusions yet. Mm-hmm. It's more of a 20-game mark for us. but um, I don't know. It's not even like we've seen a trend yet. We've actually seen this roller coaster of, of performances from the Celtics so far. Um, anything you want to add there, Jackson, on the, the shooters adding side of things before mm. we move on? Um, Campbell Walker's shooting a pretty good percentage. Do you reckon he's available? <laughs> <laughs> Eight million dollars a year. Slot him right in next to Marcus Smart. Yeah. It'll work, right? Surely, surely it'll be good. No. Do we, can we get him back with his own TPE? Does that does that work? <laughs> Bring Fournier back in while we're at it. He was pretty. He was pretty good in double overtime. We've had enough double overtime games this year, so he's tested yeah, out. yeah. No, so, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. I think it's symptomatic of young players to be up and down. So give them the minutes. Yeah. It'll iron out, and if it doesn't, then yeah, let's look at shipping them up. Absolutely. This one's from user Leafstain, and they write, Smart needs to be deactivated and traded in January. He cannot continue to plague this team any longer. And they go on to write, it's getting to the point where either Smart goes or I'm done with this team. Which I guess, I don't know, like, no offense to you, Leafstain, but like... I prefer Marcus Smart to you. Yeah. I'm sure um, you're a great guy, Jack- but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jackson, is it time to move on from Marcus Smart? We've kind of we've kind of like touched on it already a little bit, or is his value to the team irreplaceable? Ah, um, it's not as dumb of a question or a proper proposal, I guess you could say, as probably I first believed it being, like deactivate. Emotionally you know, fueled. Yeah. But knee- yeah. yeah, why don't you kneecap the guy, take him out the back and, and, and shoot him and then, you know, roll <laughs> him in, in, in carpet and throw him off a bridge. No, we won't we get trade value for that. So, of course not. Um, <laughs> this is only happening because of the foul. Like, clearly. Clearly, this is only happening because of the foul. He hits the go-ahead Completely. three, like a minute and a half earlier and you know everyone was his biggest fan then had a great hustle play in the first quarter even though the first quarter was garbage you know he's he's still we know what we're getting from him and I'm certainly not in favor of shipping him on um, just yet I need to see what the kind of return package is or like who the guy we're getting in exchange for is because I think you take Marcus Smart out I think there's a lot of a lot of like prisoner of the moment sort of comments remember how many people couldn't stand Brad Stevens and thought he was like the worst thing ever well like last season (laughs) How, lo and behold, look at all the Brad Stevens appreciation posts. I was wrong. Please come back, Daddy. Posts that we've had since. So you can <laughs> you can bet your ass if we get blown out against the team and they're just like blowing past Schroeder and 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 Neesmith and and Pritchard are just like you know not doing anything. Like you know it would be made Marcus Smart. We were a bit hard on Marcus Smart to start with, and I think I, th- I think most rational, level-headed Celtics fans would would not want to see the back of him. But I think he would be a, a, a lot of a homer. If you were saying there probably wasn't a better player out there that we could get that would be more complementary to this team, at least in terms of yeah. offense, um, but no, I certainly don't want to get rid of him just yet. I think he, he for every time he, he really messes up, he seems to come back and he gets us one. It's a very like Marcus Smart giveth, Marcus Smart taketh away. So I think he give him a chance to, to get a couple of games back for us, uh, and then do something dumb again, and then we can consider you know any kind of trade proposals from there. But no, certainly not for me at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I was looking at cleaning the glass here, and I'm sharing my screen with you here, Jackson. Uh, so Marcus Smart this season, he's on off stats, and like if you look like uh, in terms of an efficiency differential, he's a plus eleven on team points scored per hundred possessions. With him on the court, 
plus 2.5 on points per possession, a plus 2.5 on effective field goal percentage. Defensively, obviously very effective, particularly enforcing uh, turnovers from the offense mm. um, and, and limiting the free throw rate from, from opposing teams as well. So, uh, like, he, he clearly does have a solid impact on the court. It's kind of hard to, to deny that. Um, mm. But there is this sense of, like, falling like from a tree and trying to grab onto a branch and like that branch lately seems to always be Marcus Smart. Yes, like he he does miss a lot of the wide open shots that our offense generates and yes, you could sort of theorize that if we replace him with a better shooter that those shots would be hit at a higher rate. But like we touched on earlier, Jackson, you know, do we get the same defense from that replacement player? Probably not. Do we have that same Celtics tenure and acumen, which I think matters quite a bit as far as like chemistry and just sort of like an organizational fit? Definitely not. So that it's not as simple as just like we get better shooting by replacing Marcus Smart with a better shooter. We we lose so much and it's only been 10 games. You know, he's him and Dennis Schroeder are kind of competing for the same spot, also kind of sharing it because of Jalen Brown's absences. It's very weird, and yet we're trending in the right direction. I think we're lucky that Marcus Smart can't be traded till the 20th of January because mm. there's so much going on, and, you know, you add that Udoka is so new, and I guess it would be natural for anyone to, to try and, like, point the finger at someone. And, and you know, Marcus Smart has... um come to the surface as far as like the obvious scapegoat like with that late foul on Luca and you know he has had some other boneheaded plays throughout the season and maybe even a lackluster effort in the first few games but he's certainly turned it around and he's playing more Marcus Smart defense like in the last few games he's spearheaded our defensive turnaround so how you could look at that and say we need to trade this guy I just I don't understand it and yet like it seems like the majority of people on Celtics Reddit have completely turned against this guy, and uh, uh, I don't know. It makes me a little bit sad to be like a, this uh, sort of adamant redditor because like we share this love for the team, right? And yet, like it's such a divisive issue right now. What do you think? <sighs> yeah, like I, I, again, I think it's a lot of prisoner of the moment stuff. I think whenever you you lose a game, you immediately want to put it on someone or you want to justify you want to rationalize it and when you make a play like that which was a terrible play like it, it was he oh, absolutely deserved to be chastised and get the blow and, and get some criticism but i think people are just taking it you know a little bit too far i like you're only going to get there are only certain guys in the nba that are going to play the way that he does for better or for worse and he's and he is going to have those nights where he does you know shoot remarkably well those are the games we typically lose but he does tend to pull one out every now and then but i just feel if marcus smart left i don't that would be one of those it would be so hard to process for me because, you know, my Celtics fandom only extends basically as far as Marcus Smart being on this team, just about. So <laughs> if if he left, then, oh man, like we would have to get good straight away for me to get over it, for me to be, oh, okay, that was the right decision. This is good. Any kind of trade where we fall off defensively or we just don't really move the needle offensively, it would be like, oh my God, what have we done? This would be the, the worst idea ever. So, um, and again- yeah. I, I guarantee you in the next month, he's going to do something absolutely incredible. And every, and there's going to be like the back and forth of he's terrible. Get rid of the, get rid of him. He's, he's so bad for the team. It's going to swing back the other way. It's like, I can't believe you were thinking of trading him. He, no one else would do that, the play like that. And then it'll probably <laughs> swing plays. back again. <laughs> Winning plays. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just the Marcus smart roller coaster that we're all on. I, I certainly don't want to get off it. If you said to me, um, I don't know, here's here's a Buddy Heald, here's a Harrison Barnes, and a, and a pick for him and and Time Lord or, or whatever, then that doesn't make any you know salary wise sense. But in some sort of hypothetical situation, I'd be like, shit, okay, that's something we need to consider because that like supercharges the offense big time. And you know, if we're going to give up 125 points a game, we'll just score 140 points a game. You know, that's okay. I can live with that. But <laughs> as far as what he means, as far as what he means to like the fabric of the team and and like. I think I think his qualities are just being underappreciated right now because the play was so bad and because his shooting isn't that crash hot. 
Yeah. The reaction was insane. Like, And I was active in a few of these threads on Celtic Twitter just being like, calm down. It's okay. Mm. Like, it was a boneheaded play, but there's a lot of positive takeaways from this game. You know, but, but there's no way we're in a position to win that Mavs game without Marcus Smart playing the way he did up until that point. And, you know, like, you could draw it back to there was that play where Tatum got the rebound. I think we're up, like, one or two points. And, oh, sorry, maybe Schroeder got the rebound and dribbled it off Tatum's foot. And yeah. ball goes out of bounds. And it's Mavs ball again. You know, if we if we maintain that possession, we score. Like, suddenly, there is no Marcus Smart foul. You know, there's, there's so many variables there. And yet, it was just, you know, like, I know the fan base can be reactionary, particularly on Reddit, where there's a, a sort of a huge age range of people. You know, if you can type, doesn't matter if you're five or 50, you can get your opinion on Reddit. So there's a huge range there. Um, I was pretty disappointed by the reaction to Marcus Smart there, given what, you know, he's he's provided to this team. Um, <laughs> having said that, Jackson, <laughs> if, they, if we were to trade him, um, which seems to be a hot topic, um, I don't know if that trade exists, but, you know, he is, I guess, our most tradable piece in terms of, like, contract size and the way that he's valued around the league. Um, is there a trade that you envision at all happening with Marcus Smart? Like, who would, who would you like us to see get back for him if we did ship him out? I feel like, I feel like Pat Riley and the Miami Heat would love him. You know, Lowry mm-hmm. and Smart as a backcourt would just be, like, just be mean. That would be so... I don't think they would give a shit about his shooting, perfectly honest. And if that means we could get someone like a Duncan Robinson or something, then... Ooh. Sure, I'll consider it. But, I mean... No, I, I, I would, I would need, I would need to see the actual like the trade machine in front of me, or like you know, it proposed in front of me for me to make up my mind. Because like, I'm definitely a believer in Marcus Smart. I trust Marcus Smart. I'm not going to get on Twitter and 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 blast him like Bill Simmons whenever he whenever he fucks up. I don't. Also, another thing, like <laughs> like um like just just a week ago when he he came out and called out Brown and Tatum, which probably wasn't the best look, you know, considered it's like oh well, look who's talking sort of perspective. But I don't think there'd be anyone else on the team who have the balls to do that. And it doesn't seem like he's a disruptive or negative presence. He feels like he's the leader. He feels like there's the guy who who will say those kind of things. And even if they're not completely, you know, accurate or justified, which I believe when he said that he he was in the right to a degree. Um, I think you lose that. You, you're really underrating what you bring from what you what he brings to the team. So if the trade is out there and it is definitely going to improve us on the offensive end, even if we do have to sacrifice it for the defense, sure. If it's if it's just gonna be a one for one for some other guy who kind of plays like him, fuck out of here. No chance. He he needs to he needs to stay on this team unless it's like we're clearly going to win that trade by by shipping him yeah. off. Absolutely. If we could get Duncan Robertson for Marcus Smart, uh like it's so like obviously we need shooting, but it's it's difficult to to focus on given what Marcus Smart hasn't given us this year, but we're mm. giving up so much in return to that, um, in return for that rather. And I also I think the Heat feel the same way that like Duncan Robinson is such a part of our offense. Like the spacing mm. he provides is so integral to everything else we do off ball. There's no way we're giving up Duncan Robinson yeah. to the point where I would accept that trade as much as I love Marcus Smart. <laughs> Uh, in a second. I've got four potential trades that I want to throw at you, Jackson. I uh, would love your opinion on these. Uh, first Good. one being, actually, let me preface this with a, with a couple of things. So, um, none of these can occur like for like. Marcus Smart and these people's contracts are in the same neighborhood, but you know they need to be salary filler, potentially picks to, to spice up the deal. But essentially, these could happen almost like for like. So, the first one is to the Cavs. Uh, and I feel terrible sending Marcus Smart to Cleveland, but for Ricky Rubio, who um, may have, may have played himself out of trade contention in like I think today he scored like thirty seven points, um, and the Cavs are currently seven and four and like looking like what we thought the Celtics would look like. But Ricky Rubio, um, you know, he can shoot the ball, he can get that dribble penetration, he obviously has a great passing acumen. Feel like it would be a pretty good fit for this team. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, we could do the the the, the two pronged European uh, guard backcourt. That would be that would be fine. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think the Cavs are trading anyone at the moment. They're they're playing really really well. And I mean, I think they'll probably regress. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll probably regress somewhat. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that they would do that trade. But if it was ah, uh, if it was up to us purely to to press that button, I would consider it. I would consider it. Um, just purely from 
Yeah, but I guess his offensive game now, I think it was eight of nine from three today. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, at this, at this moment in time, you go, of course, I would I would take, you know, 24 points a game. Thank you so much. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, that's going to be a, that's going to be a slight pass on me just 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 right now. But it's I'm, I'm nearly there. I'm nearly going to grant on that one. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I guess the angle from the Cavs is like they're they're all in on Sexland, and you know if they can get Marcus Smart as like a culture guy and mm. maybe a pick, hopefully a second round pick, uh, and like I don't know. Um, I was just running through the names of people that we could throw it in my head, and I don't want to throw any of them in, <laughs> uh, but you know some some extra spice to the deal. Um, and then if Ricky Rubio does come down to earth a little bit between now and, and January twenty. Maybe uh, the next trade I have is uh, Terry Rogier. Straight up, hey, uh, he, spaghetti you know, sandwich. Role, yeah, his role has uh, descended a little bit there uh, with the rise of, of of some of those guys there, um, mm. particularly Lamelo Ball uh, in Charlotte. Uh, he could be available. The salaries almost match. Like I said, we'd have to throw in a few pieces there. But you know, one of the plus sides of Rogier is that he could play the two guard. When Schroeder's in playing the one guard, he is kind of interchangeable there. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Scary Terry back on the team. Scary Terry. I'd probably, I'd probably be for it, to be honest. I don't think he would need any time to sort of get up to speed. You know, I know it's a new coach. I know it's a, mostly a new team, but I think he would relish the chance to come back. I think he would like have a point to prove. I'd be like, you know, you, I'm going to show you guys what you missed out on by, you know, being, being the man now. Um, I feel like... When Terry Rogier was here, everybody wanted him gone. Everyone was like, "Just, just get get that guy the fuck out of here," because he's just he's a ball hog. He takes the ball away from from Tatum and Brown. But yeah, he's not getting that point guard spot back. Lamelo has that like on like clamps upon clamps. So yeah, unless it, mm-hmm. if he wants to come off the bench, you know, fine. That's that's all well and good. But if he wants to come and be a starting guard again for us, and he can bring that shooting um, back to us, then yeah, I'm 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 more I'm more warm on that one than I would be with Rubio. To be Okay, so this one is a little bit less likely, <laughs> but so the Sacramento Kings are very point guard heavy. They've got Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, both whom are fantastic. De'Aaron Fox, uh, this is where on top of Smart, we'd have to throw in like probably multiple first round picks as well as like a Romeo and an E. Smith. And, yeah. But, you know, we could put together a decent package there and like I said, the Kings are guard heavy. Like, do you, how do you feel about that potential trade? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say Buddy Heald for a second, but yeah, De'Aaron Fox. I would. I that's. I'm sorry, Marcus. I I love you so much, but I would take De'Aaron Fox off off their hands for a Marcus Smart and a pick and another player and you know a box of chocolates. You know, whatever they're after, I would be. I would be more than willing to do that. I think that is a. I think a, a Fox Brown Tatum trifecta and then whoever you want with that is is probably going to be money to be perfectly honest so yeah that one i'm Big that one i'm cool i'm cool with as unrealistic and as unlikely as it is that's my <laughs> favorite one so cool far yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a tough one to, uh, but i think you know going into the season brad stevens and co talked about like having flexibility in case a guy becomes available that's that's the sort of potential scenario i maybe that they were looking into there um, the final one I've got here is Terrence Ross, which essentially happens as a like for like. Um, and the, the reason I think the Magic do that is because there's a small cohort of teams that do need culture resets. I think the Magic are one of them where like they have the talent. They've got some really good, um, skilled young players, but they're all like they'll probably go to the Magic sort of with low expectations of, of their own success. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to the Orlando Magic. They're typically not a good franchise. Marcus Smart is, from an organizational perspective, the kind of guy that you bring in thinking like, okay, well, this guy can actually like sort of shift that focus a little bit. Um, That's the incentive, I think, for them. And meanwhile, Terrence Ross obviously gives us more shooting, whether it be off the the bench or in the starting lineup and and can play a lick of defense as well. So Mm. thoughts on Terrence Ross, Ross, uh, Jackson? No, but I would be strangely intrigued if they threw in Markel Fultz. <laughs> right? Just, yeah. What, can, tell, just, tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've already got the Jabari Parker reclamation project, which is going, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, should, can, you imagine, can you imagine if we ended up with the number one, the number three pick from that draft and we somehow and we and we rediscovered his 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 form and his touch? Holy shit, that would be I'd be more I'd be more in on that. But um, no, nah, that one doesn't really move the needle as not not really. 
like I said, if, if it's a, if it's an obvious upgrade on offense and, you know, a slight drop off on defense. Okay. If it's just more or less going to be like a like for like with a little bit more reliability and a little bit less of a, um, uh, a black hole on offense, for lack of a better term, for good old Marcus, then yeah, sure. But um, no, that doesn't, that, that for me would not, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't sign up on that anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's where you want the time machine, right? Like to go back and say to Philly, hey, like not only did we make this trade, but we end up getting Tatum and Fultz as well. So yeah. fuck you guys. <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. So moving on, this post is from user 9yogi and they go on to write, the Celtics are playing great basketball. Hopefully the wave of overreaction to a close game has passed. Let's try and look at things with a reasonable perspective. What were your expectations against a healthy Dallas team in their home court in a third game in four nights situation. How about uh, how about without star in Jalen without a star in Jalen Brown and his backup in Romeo Langford? If it was a win, then the fault lies in your expectations. I definitely was disappointed with the Celtics after the Chicago loss and rightfully so, but I'm proud of the way the Celtics have played since. We've been playing fantastic defense. It took Luca to play a special game and a last second miracle shot to beat us. We held a Dallas team that was making some ridiculous shots to a very reasonable output. This is not an outcome you criticize the Celtics for. Mm. This is one you applaud them for. I absolutely love watching this team. Their defense is back. Their three-point shooting is completely missing, but it will be back. Tatum seems to have found his rhythm. And once Brown comes back, they are enough to carry us offensively against any team. Keep building Celtics. We're on the right path. Jackson... Do you agree? Uh, is the team playing well? Are we, have we seen enough to sort of declare this? Or I guess, how, how are you feeling about this recent road stretch and, and this user's post? Well, you said it earlier, we're, we're trending in the right direction for now. So any anytime the, 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 the trajectory is slightly up as opposed to down, which is exactly where it was a week ago, then there's reasons to be optimistic. You know, it's as, as, suck, as much as it sucks to get into like a 17 to 20 point hole, when you come back from that, then you feel like anything beyond that is a bonus. You know, you know. It, um, conversely, when you give that up, it feels like the world is ending. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a positive. Um, I think we could talk about Tatum in a bit, but like as far as like everyone else goes, yeah, you feel like there's just a little bit more unity. You feel like that that Chicago loss. I was scared that that was going to leave scars that we would not get over at least for a while. It seems to have. It, it, it seems to have woken everyone up to a degree, at least it did defensively and, you know, a little bit more cohesion um, as well, too. And, and like, I'll be honest, I don't really rate Dallas that much. They have a generational talent, Luka Doncic. They have a super crafty small uh, guard in, in uh, Brunson who cooked us multiple times. Um, but it, it, needed a, it needed a rare bloody Porzingis sighting who I haven't seen in about five years to, like, wake up in the fourth to become an issue for us. Um, that ultimately did, but the, I'd say the the one thing. So I'm definitely optimistic, and I'm definitely seeing you know an improvement, and I think I think it, it is going to continue. But the only thing that I would say is I found a tiny little bit predictable and a little bit worrying is we're we're in we're starting we're not starting. This has been going on since last year. We seem to have this habit of not getting the job done in really close games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's happened a Fair. few times now, and I that's the kind of thing that that bothers me. You know, going up 20 and you blow a 20-point lead multiple times, then you will never feel safe. You know, you're up 20 in the first quarter. You just know they're, they're just waiting for something to go wrong, and then it'll all fall down like a house of cards. Now, if we find ourselves, let's just say we play the Bucks this weekend. It's a tie game with 50 seconds to go. We've got the ball. I am now more confident than not we'll find a way to fuck that game up, <laughs> which, which sucks, <laughs> I'm right there which with you. sucks. But yeah, it's like, that was not the case a few years ago. I was so confident. Remember that Portland fan who was always on our sub? Clutchest team in the NBA. We were. Yeah. We're certainly not at the moment. We're certainly not anymore. So uh, I'm worried. Okay. We really, we need a, we need a good clutch win. I think, and then follow it up with another good performance. And then another one after that to sort of exercise that demon. But I'm worried that, Losing close games is going to become a habit for us if it has if it's not already firmly entrenched. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I had intended to queue up a we do like an under underrated play of the week here, um, but I was too busy watching Succession before we recorded Jackson. I, I didn't do it, but uh, what I was going to queue up for underrated play of the week was a simple clip, and this really 
um, it's in it's in the lane of the underrated play because it was simply just Marcus Smart against the Magic, jumping out of a of a screen to the three point line to protect a uh, and defend a three point shot. And I really yeah. feel like that sort of like summarizes the turnaround in that the Celtics are playing great basketball. And part of that is because they're running out and defending the three-point line, which they were not doing in the first, I don't know, seven games of the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you get defense on those shots, you force a bad shot or a bad pass as a result of that pressure defense, suddenly you're out in transition, suddenly you're scoring, and suddenly maybe it doesn't matter that Jalen Brown's on the court, or maybe it doesn't matter that Jason Tatum's on the court because you're in transition, and mm-hmm. we've got enough guys with enough basketball acumen to create plays in those scenarios. so And it all stems from that defense, and they do seem to have been a lot more locked in since the second half of the Magic game, specifically. So mm. that's that's really good to see. Uh, user ZGamer200, or ZGamer, to our, our friends in the US, uh, they go on to say, uh, as a comment on this, this post, the losing record is frustrating. The injuries and illness causing players to miss games are frustrating. And the almost comebacks are frustrating as well. But I'd agree that overall the team is playing well. If Tatum just hits a few more shots, this team likely has a winning record despite everything. Which segues very nicely into our next post by user JuicyJuice100Juice, who says, at least Tatum looks like he's back, question mark. I hope that my inflection uh, emphasized their, their, their question there. Uh, they go into write, I know everyone, including myself, is pissed at how we lost that last game, referring to the Mavs game. But at least one positive thing is that Tatum looks like he might have shaken his slump. Now, with only playing against with only playing with only playing again on Wednesday, pardon me, maybe he can rest and get back to being JT. Jackson, is this your standard slump for Tatum here, or is this just another trough in a never ending roller coaster? What's your take? I feel like once he has one good game, that tends to to, to kickstart it. So mm-hmm. obviously I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful that that is the case if, because if he, if he disappears again and he goes one for 10 in the first quarter of, of, of the Raptors game, I think we play next. Um, yeah, that's going to be worrying. Um, don't read too much into this, but I think Brown being out sort of tightens up the hierarchy a little bit. You know, Tatum's Blessing always going to be- disguise. Yeah, Tatum's always going to be be number one, but Brown, the way he's playing, like he's very much a one B. I think in I think in Jalen Brown's mind, he's probably he thinks he's the best player. I don't th- I think he's got enough awareness to know how that would go down if he said it. So he's not going to say it, but I think he believes he's probably the better player. So in situations where he can get the ball and he can make the shot, um, he's go- he's going to do it. Whereas with him out, I think you have. You have the other guys stepping up as best they can. Like I was like, Schroeder played pretty well. I thought like it wasn't amazing, but as far as like a scoring perspective is concerned, he he did his job. But it just felt like you know you go to Tatum when he's hot. You go to Tatum to sort of as like the the primary focus. And if that's not working, then it's it's not like there's not. I know this is making sense, but like I feel like Brown being in there. The, the the biggest problem with with Tatum and Brown playing together is they still don't seem to coexist brilliantly together. So you take Brown mm-hmm. out, and again, I'm not saying that's a good thing. It just seems to Tatum's a little bit more focused. He knows that the ball is coming to him. He knows what his role is, and he doesn't have to sort of stress or try and get somebody else involved. So, to answer your question, I think this is. I think we are going to probably see more downturns and then you know, peaks and valleys with Tatum. You know, that's something I really want to get him to lose from his game. I want him to just be that more consistent player, even if he's not hitting those heady, heady heights like as as often. I would love to see some consistency, but I will also take, you know, a, a run of the next week where he's averaging 40 for sure. For sure. Well, yeah. I think he, and I think he can do it. I think he definitely can do it. I think he's, he's going to have a point to prove against the Raptors because we were so poor. We still haven't won at home for God's sake. So we need to do something about that. Um, the Bucks tends to play pretty well against the Bucks, So I think the, the games that we have coming up, he's going to have, and it sounds like Brown isn't going to come back as well too. So I think mm-hmm. we are going to see a lot, a, a lot better, more consistency from Jason Tatum and sort of, you know, those multiple East Conference Player of the Week trophies that he seems to amass, you know, uh, um, throughout the season. So I think he's... I think he has shaken it off, to be honest. I think that's the kind of game that you you need to get going, despite the loss. Um, have I ever told you this? I think it's, if Tatum makes like his first two shots, like in the first quarter, I'm like, I'm so sure he's scoring over 30. 
He yeah. so rarely Nothing starts well saying. and then disappears. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. He starts well, you know what's coming. If he starts like ass, it's yeah. like, well, this could be anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, nothing in life is more certain. Um, a couple of things there. So the Jalen Brown absence certainly opened up Tatum, like we were saying in our Slack before the game. You know, Tatum's going to have to wake up for this game, otherwise we stand no chance because mm. we have no real scoring beyond what our system can create outside of Brown and Tatum. Fortunately, I guess after the first quarter, uh, really the second half or after the first half, Tatum woke up a little bit and and, and started to dominate. And when he wasn't scoring, he was creating. After the game, he was interviewed and they asked him about Smart's comments and he sort of opened up a little bit. One of the things he said was like, you know, I'm always going to play the way that I learned to play and grew up playing. And that was a little bit concerning because it's like, uh, you kind of need to get away from that a little bit man yeah. like for you to be like who we need you to be and for you to coexist with like the other people we have on the team or if we do god forbid trade Marcus Smart for shooters you're gonna need to pass to those guys like pretty regularly for us to benefit from from that move so on the other hand he's 23 we talk about this all the time being like older guys in, in and out our 30s um, not to lump you in there too much Jackson I know you like kind of only just turned 30 but like when he's 23, like, there's just, you just read there's so much going on in your head. Like, your brain, like science says, is not fully developed yet. So, I don't want to take, like, too much from, from his comments there. I, I do think that he can evolve his game to where it needs to be for him to succeed. Um, but, you know, one game he performed really well. I just don't, I kind of half expect him to just shit the bed in the next game. I, I do mm. feel like it's part of this roller coaster that won't be consistent throughout his career. But while he's young and while he's figuring it out, it's not going to happen overnight. And therefore, we can't expect a complete turnaround after one good game. I thought his best game of the season was against Charlotte, where he was getting into the paint and just throwing insane passes and and doing really well. And then, you know, we saw a series of of bed shittings after that. So why wouldn't we now see another series of bed shittings? I don't know. He didn't have any points in the Miami game until the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was zero after three quarters. So Yeah, totally. But he he did he did manage to hit some shots, like just just to sort of just to just uh, to stave off that potential comeback, which was encouraging to see. Something I did notice in the last game, he wasn't getting posted up as much, which I think is Mm -hmm. a, a good thing. Like, yeah, sure, he can hit those fadeaways, but I just prefer it if you know, he's not in a position like that. Um, and I think he's, and again, I, memory's failing me here, but just based on the last game we saw, I thought he was dealing with the double team really well. Like he was making yeah. good passes. He wasn't just chucking it like out. Like sometimes when, when Luca was getting doubled, it, it seemed like if he, if he didn't just yeet a three that went in, he was passing it and the ball, it sort of seemed to break down and like there were, there were more and more turnovers coming. And it just looked like you, you neutralized Luca and- everyone else seems to sort of panic a little bit. Whereas now that would normally happen if you neutralize Tatum, particularly without Jalen Brown next to him, but he seems to sort of have that passing range. That seems to have gone a little bit better. So if that's how he was playing as a kid, he was making great passes to open shooters. Sweet. Yeah. Do more of that. But if his, if what he was doing <laughs> when he was a kid was just dominating everybody one-on-one, just, you know, just shooting from anywhere and it just happened to go in because he was playing against eight year olds, then yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> but I think it might but, be more of that. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think, I think this is the start of, I think this is the start of a good week for Tatum. I'll, I'll confidently say that. I think it's the start of a good week for Tatum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was interesting in the Bulls game where, and I made the mistake of, I don't know if you can call it a mistake, watching that fourth quarter again. And the pass that was available to Tatum throughout that fourth quarter was Rob Rob Williams off the short roll, where it was like he just needed to make a little pass over the initial coverage in front of him to an open rolling Rob Williams. Mm. And he did make that pass, but he sort of half-assed it on several occasions and it resulted in turnovers almost every time or like Time Lord would sort of half catch it because it was a shitty pass and, and give it away. And it just didn't work. And that lane was like so there for him. But the Bulls in that case did a really good case uh, job of taking away the, the the corner pass and, you know, I, I, I guess whatever other passes were available to him and only leaving that one available to him. And he just he couldn't convert. So... Mm. You know, hopefully there's an opportunity there to to review that film and and sort of go, okay, like if that's what those coverages look like and that's what the lanes look like as a result of those coverages, then, you know, I can adjust to that because I'm only 23. But uh, 
that wasn't something he was able to take advantage of. And, and fortunately, it doesn't seem like he's seen many of those coverages since. But um, it's definitely something he's going to have to address in the near future. Um, on the Tatum thing, very Random quickly. thought before we move on. You just remind me something. When they do film sessions, do you think they watch it with commentary? <laughs> I hope so. It would be so fun. Just everyone sitting there and just like, you know, Tommy and Scala making like snide comments about them. I wonder if they just sit there and like, what do you say about me? No, I imagine it's probably muted because the coach is talking over it. But I just thought for a second, that'd be piss funny if they had to listen to the commentary as well, well too. What about when they're dribbling the ball up the court and they happen to go by the commentary desk and it's like, here's Tatum. And he's like, as he's going by, wouldn't that just be an absolute mindfuck of a thing to hear like, yeah. on the court? Things are quiet and you can hear someone like commentating you in the in the third person as you dribble past them. I can some uh, guys probably get off on it. It's like, oh, they're talking about me. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to do something cool now. And then, yeah, I imagine- Maybe I'll, I'll dribble the ball here for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep talking about me, fellas. No, sorry. I just, that was just a random thought. <laughs> no, 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 of course. Uh, on, the, on the Tatum thing very quickly, there's a tweet here by Kostya Medvedkovsky, Med- Medvedovsky, pardon me. And they're going to say Tatum's defense has fallen off a cliff in Darko, which is a defensive metric, uh, right when he got COVID last year. This sort of drop-off is striking because Darko is pretty stubborn normally. It takes an extraordinary results it takes extraordinary results to get this sort of collapse in such a short period. And you can see the graph here on my screen, and he gets to, I guess, like the sort of 270 game mark, uh, and then comes back from COVID, and there's a huge drop off here from this Darko career D DPM progression. Um, and I knew Jackson, you were going to ask me like, okay, like what the hell is Darko? So, so Darko stands for daily adjusted and regressed Kalman optimized projections. Uh, it's built using a combination of classical statistical techniques and modern machine learning methods. Darko updates its projections in response to new information with the amount of the update varying by player and by stat, depending on Darko's confidence in its prior estimate. You still with me? The inputs for Darko are NBA box scores, tracking data, and other game-level information from basketballreference.com, nba.com, and aided by Daryl Blackport's work in creating pbpstats.com, which is a website that Adam Taylor introduced us to on this podcast. Darko is trained on every player game log since the 2001 season, although as discussed below, the model coefficients and fits are dynamic and <laughs> respond to changes in the league environment over the last 20 years. So Jackson, very challenging here. Um, <laughs> I've just explained Darko to you. Tell us, tell us your thoughts on this huge Darko drop-off from, uh, from Jason Tatum recently since coming back from COVID. Well, being, a, well, being an expert on Darko for the last 30 seconds, um, <laughs> I'm a visual learner, Ben, and when I see a graph do this... Like I know it's bad. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know it's yeah. bad. Um, it's a bed shitting. The easy explanation is yeah, he came back from COVID. He wasn't himself. He just prioritized you know his you know he, he, there was less effort on the defensive end because he was trying to you know utilize his energy to and maximize his offense to the force. That's my um, my casual fan take and whatnot. I wonder though what everyone else on the Celtics looked like last year because I think with the COVID that we had, the COVID that we had, with, with, with the COVID, you know, absences and with the disruptions and everything and, you know, not to shit on our old friend Kemba Walker, but having Kemba Walker in the team, I just feel like overall the defense would have gone down. Maybe this Darko is like, you know, accounts against this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure, but mm-hmm. it is worrying for sure, for sure. You know, Tatum's, um, you know, physique and figure and, and wing, wingspan should make him a nightmare of a defender, you know, really. So, and he was, he was a very, very confident. And as the, the graph showed, he was, he was doing rather well until COVID came around. So I, I wonder if he just sort of changed his approach a little bit when he was sort of nursing himself back from COVID. And for whatever reason, he just hasn't made the effort to sort of get back on that. I'm, I'm not too yeah. sure, but what, what are your thoughts? Well, there's a slight concern from my perspective in that, you know, it hasn't trended back up given that, mm. you know, he's been back from from that sort of COVID inhaler situation for a while. But it's like you sort of mentioned there, there are a lot of variables. There might be a baseline fallacy here, which is a, a data science term. Like an example, a recent example of a baseline fallacy is in Iceland, 
a statistic that came out that was sort of leveraged by anti-vaxxers was that something like 90% of hospitalized COVID patients were vaccinated people. And what they were failing to incorporate into that statistic was that, you know, 95 plus people in Iceland were vaccinated. So, Mm. the, the likelihood of unvaccinated people arriving in hospital with COVID was very unlikely, and that's referred to as a baseline fallacy. Yeah, and I sure. think there might be a similar thing here with Tatum in that we've had so many injuries, we've had so many outages, we've had so much roster turnover, there's just been so many variables. Um, and of course, we're going to shine the spotlight on our best player's most impactful stats, or, or at least his most um, eye-gouging drop-offs. And I think maybe that's partially, you know, an explanation for for this drop off. It's something to keep an eye on because as things stabilize, you would expect that sort of thing to to pick up for him. Um, but I think there's just so much going on. To put it simply, that it's difficult to sort of attribute his drop off in defense to any one thing. Um, does that make any sense, Jackson? Yeah. Maybe it's because he spends too much time bitching at the refs when he gets a block and not a foul and doesn't get back on defense. <laughs> That's probably it. Could be that. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know, you know, I thought it was like named after Darko Milicic for a second. That, that thing. It was like, was, <laughs> was great that, defender. Yeah. 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 Precisely. <laughs> so if, what if, what if I named a stat after Tatum and it was purely just how much time you spend berating the officials? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, time, time, time <laughs> against time against taunting, <laughs> under and undermining. I was going to say officials. That would make a Tato or the match officials. There you go. There, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Tatum. Yeah. How much time do you spend bitching to the refs? Yeah. There you go. We, and we, there's no need to track that because we know the champion of that. We should shit. get. We, we should. We should get Spoonie into a room and try and get some 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 geeks together and get that sorted. I think that's got legs. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's it's surely an underlying factor because I mean, the, maybe the most annoying part of the season, aside from Marcus Smart, if you ask most Celtics fans, has been Tatum complaining at the refs and and not getting back on defense. And you know, we saw it in the Bulls game. I think in the Heat game as well, where we gave up transition buckets on four and five situations because Tatum's too busy throwing his hands up like he's entitled to something, which he's not because he hasn't done anything yet, Mm -hmm. as much as I love the guy. Um, So there you go. The Tatum stat, the Tatum metric. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We now get to the very exciting miscellaneous section of the pod before we wrap this up. Uh, Jackson, is there anything else on your mind? Is there anything that we didn't get to that you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? (sighs) Um... Not really. It's sorry. okay if there isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> I've covered a lot. That's okay. No, I'm, I'm now just so focused on the Tatum stat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and <laughs> I'm gonna go and look Write it. that shit down yeah, like, absolutely. before you go to bed. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I, I don't really have anything either. So we've covered a lot. So I'm happy to, happy to move on. We can discuss the upcoming schedule before we wrap this thing sure. up. So um, coming up for the Celtics, the Raptors at home, the Bucks at home, and then the Cavs in Cleveland on the second game of a back-to-back coming off that Bucks game. And then the Cavs in Cleveland again, which I don't think I've ever seen. Like, I had to double-check the schedule from two different sources. We play the Cavs in Cleveland and then a game later, the Cavs in Cleveland again. Yeah. Um, so, Raptors, Bucks, Cavs, Cavs. What's your prediction, Jackson, for this uh, this four game stretch coming up? Well, we're, we have to get a home win, so I think we're winning either one of the Bucks or the Raptors. I have this sick feeling we're gonna shit the bed against the Raptors again. Just I, the, Raptors, the Raptors seem to just be a lot better than than I certainly gave them credit for. A lot of other people give them credit for, so that that sucks. The Bucks, Bonzi. yeah, the Bucks. They're not playing that well, to be honest. But I think they've got that championship hangover of like, we've got the MVP. We're the champ. We're going to be okay. We're just going to, you know, we're going to take it a little bit easy and stuff. Like they don't have Middleton. I mean, I assume Middleton's probably not going to be back for this game. I bet he is. I bet it's his first game back and he gets like 45 or some shit. But, you know, maybe Budenholz <laughs> has adjusted his his um, his regular season policy of like win 60 and then flame out in the playoffs. Either way, I think it's it's... We could, I could see us easily going. I could see us go going zero and four. I could see us going three and one. I think we're probably going to drop a game in a frustrating manner, but 
very confident we're going to beat the Bucks. Eh? <laughs> I just, I just think we seem yeah, to have their number at home. Think like recent memory playing the Bucks. I think like we've we've lost to them a few times in Milwaukee, but like well, my recent memories of the Bucks are like positive ones. Yeah, I mean, I certainly remember a lot of Jalen Brown dunking on Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm-hmm. and so depending on how this Jalen Brown hamstring industry uh, industry injury goes. Um, and apparently there's, so there's like a Celtics practice tomorrow and members of the media will be there to interview Coach Udoka and probably get a better understanding of, of what that injury looks like in the timeline. Um, if Jalen Brown's not going to be there, the Bucks are pretty dynamic as an offense and certainly as a defense, even without Middleton, the known Celtics killer. Um, that's a tough one for me. I do think Raptors at home. It's. I just think that's that's a must We're win. So it's a surely win. win. We're so do like, win. And, yeah. and against the team who just fucked us in our first, you know, excuse the French, yeah. in our first home game. Like we have to beat them, right? So if there's ever a sure thing, it has to be has to yeah. be that Raptors game. And Bucks, I'm not so sure. And I think we beat the Cavs twice because I think our defense is more mature than their offense. So I'm I'm going to say three and one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I get this weird feel. Every time I see Jared Allen against us, I just feel like he eats us alive and Rubio's probably going to have his <laughs> Steph Curry, you know, <laughs> impression going full on then. So I think probably realistically, given how we've been going, I think a two and two is like a very safe fence sitting answer, but probably an accurate one. But again, I mean, yeah. I could see us losing all the games. I could see us going three and one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on two and two, but one of those victories yeah. is going to be against the Bucs, I think. That's. I mean, it's okay to say definitively. I can see us losing or winning all of them. That's like that's where the season is at. It is where we are. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Please, please go and subscribe to the Celtics Reddit podcast YouTube channel. We're putting up a lot more content on there beyond the actual podcast episodes. Jackson, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Likewise, Ben. Cheers, mate. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.